0: I do want to welcome you uh, again to fellowship, Uh, whether you are uh, here, of course, at the Brentwood campus, or you are uh, at the Franklin campus, or you're watching online, uh, you know that we are going through the book of Ephesians, and if you'll take your Bibles and open to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, we are going to walk with Paul as he makes a tremendous shift in his letter to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus. You'll remember that the first three chapters are all that we are in Christ. Just just you know, picture it this way. It's all upon us. It's everything we've been given. And then at chapter 4, it changes. And it becomes how we live out our lives in light of all that we have. So it's this you know, immeasurable gift and blessing. Chapters 1 through 3. And then chapters 4 through 6, this immense responsibility and privilege to live this life out. Bill grabbed the last two verses of chapter 3 last week. I want you to look at those first because it's the ramp that leads us into chapter 4. In light of all that God has done, Paul could not help but break into praise. And he says in verse 20, chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Therefore, this is where he goes. In light of all that, therefore, this. Uh, Would you stand with me one more time uh, for the reading of our text today? Follow along in your Bibles. I'm reading from the New American Standard that we teach from. Paul writes this, continuing to exhort the Ephesians. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism... One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father, add your blessing to this public reading and now study of your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, The principle uh, Paul touches upon here in the first part of Ephesians chapter 4 is a principle I want to suggest ...that most Christians do not fully understand. Or many Christians misapply. It is an absolutely foundational truth of the Christian life. That when we miss it, it's like this. If you miss this, you get the whole life wrong... And I want to suggest that many of us, including myself, do. The principle I'm talking about is this one. And this is going to, you know, Paul mentions this principle not just here, but he'll mention it all through the end of the book, all through from 4 to 6. He says it over and over. He talks about it in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians. It's in that phrase when he says, I implore you. Here's the principle. Walk in a manner worthy the calling with which you've been called. When Paul speaks of walking, you know, know, it's it's walking, but it's metaphoric. It's, uh, It's literally live your life. It's your behavior. It's your lifestyle. So that when you read in Ephesians or any other book, and he uses this word walk. If you will substitute live your life, then you get it. Every time he says it, look at Ephesians over uh, 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. He says, so I say this and affirm together with the Lord that you, substitute it, live your life. No longer, you see that. This is what he's talking about when he speaks of this walk. He's going to explain it all the way through the rest of the, the book. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to go into more detail. I'm just going to hit one, one or two particular things I want us to see today. He tells us at least two things about this walk. And if you're thinking in an outline form, just think of this in your mind's eye. Verses 1 through 3 and then verses 3 through 6. It's verses 1 through 3. He says, a worthy walk is commensurate with your calling. Now, I'm going to explain that. A worthy walk is commensurate with your calling. And then he's going to say in verses 4 through 6, and I'll explain this. A worthy walk is actually reflective of the Trinity. So it's commensurate with your calling, and it's reflective of the Trinity. How do I get this? It's commensurate with our calling. Well, this word uh, worthy, an interesting Greek word, A-X-I-O-S, it's, it's pronounced axios, axios, axiom, oxios. It means this literally. This, you know, sometimes we say Greek words, and it's like you already know what it means. This is one that we we've, there's some there that we might not see. It literally means it means raise the other arm of the beam. <laughs> really, <laughs> raise the other arm of the beam, or bring into equilibrium. That's the idea in this word worthy. Now, obviously, it's a, it's an image of of weights and scales. Uh, for you know, thousands of years, you measured things out in scales like this scale of justice up here. Of course, now you know when you weigh yourself, it's digital, it's spring-loaded, uh, wherever it, whatever it may be. But when Paul used this word axios here, they, they knew it's raise the other arm of the beam. Now, what in the world does this mean? Well, I want you to think about it this way. I'm going to end on this. I'm going to spend some time on it now, and we'll come back to it. But think of it in this way. Uh, you know bring into equilibrium chapters one through three paul is describing all that we have all that's been given to us in christ jesus and if i if i put some coins in this scale for example it's you know justified redeemed you know i mean i just pour them in it's adopted, sealed, it's, it's all that we are in Christ. What, what is the hope of our calling? Ephesians 1.18 says, he prays that our eyes would be enlightened so that we would know the hope of his calling. What does that mean? If you know Christ, you do understand, you know him because he's called you. And, and, and when you believe because he's given you faith to believe he's called you, then all that is Christ is yours. That's the hope of your calling. It's a hope that's your, your future is certain. Your sins are forgiven. You'll be with him forever. It's all that's entailed, you see, in our salvation and all that Christ is. This is the, the, the weight, if I can say it this way, of this side of the scale. And so now you you get the picture and, and Paul says, okay, okay, in light of all God has given and all God has done, he he, he says... Uh, live your life commensurate with, bring into equilibrium, raise the other side of the arm. Live your life in such a way that it's commensurate with all that you are in Christ. Now, stay with me on this for a moment, because if we really get this, um, it, it's a rather tall order. Taller than you may think. How do most? How do many? You know, I say many. A lot of us. How do we? How do we live our life to raise the other arm? What do we do? Well, I want to suggest we do really good. We do the right thing. Uh, We tithe. We go to church. We're in a Bible study. We serve. I do this. I, you know, we. I serve in the nursery. Try and treat people right. I don't do the wrong thing. I mean, do you see what I'm doing here? I mean, we're going to be here a long... Some of you are going, well, Lloyd, you know, obviously what you're throwing in there, they're not real coins. (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, right, they're not. They look real. They do nothing to raise the other arm. Am I saying that obedience doesn't matter? I'm not saying that. But I'm just telling you, many of us do these things to raise the arm. And it doesn't. Because it can't. At some level, all of us ought to be feeling, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And we got a real problem here. And it's real. How do we raise the other arm with our life? I want you to sit in that for a moment. Just hold that tension. I want to hit quickly what Paul goes on to say about our calling. Uh, If you notice, and we'll hit this rather quickly, the walk itself has certain attitudes, if I can say that, and a certain aim. So attitude and aim. What are the attitudes? Uh, This is certainly pretty clear. He says we do this, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the, in the bond of peace. So, so, so how do we live this worthy life that's commensurate with all of our blessings. Well, you do it with humility. and That just makes a ton of sense to me. You do it out of humility, you know, out of gentleness, kindness, forbearance, kind to each other, all those things. What I want you to see, though, is the, the nature of this unity that he speaks of here. This is the aim. That's the, those are the attitudes. Here's the aim. I mean, why are we doing this? Because there, there's a name to this. It's pointing somewhere. It's expressing something. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Isn't that interesting? You've you got to read that slowly, actually, to think. and you've got to think about this. He says, we preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, here's what I want you to, to see. If it's something we preserve, then it's something that already is. Are you, are you tracking with me? In other words, this, this unity is. <laughs> and it's of the Spirit. It's, it's, it's helpful to us. Think about this. Many implications. But unity is not something we strive for. It's something that's ours. That we diligently preserve. Now here's a question. If that's true, why is there so much disunity in our church, in every church? and Why is there so much disunity if it's there? I think it has a lot to do with the scales and how that works. Well, uh, I'm going to move on so that I can come back to that. Paul goes on to say uh, what I, I, I think this is. It's funny to me, you know, when he gets to verse four, it's it's like he goes into a theological rap. It's just this cadence. Listen, when he gets listen how he says this, there is. One body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all... ...who is over all and through all and in all. He's just bam, 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 bam. And when you step back from it, what you see is... ...He has just walked us through the Trinity. Which is why this second part of a worthy walk I describe as it reflects... ...it reflects the Trinity, this worthy walk... He describes the Trinity. He tells what each person of the Trinity, the work they do. Notice it goes backwards though. He starts with spirit. There's the spirit. And then he goes, there's the Lord. There's the son. So spirit, son. and Then he says, there's the father. Do You see that? He says one seven times. You don't have to go way off into numerology per se. But the numbers do mean something in the Bible. And the number seven means completion. ...perfection, wholeness. So he's going one, 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 seven, you know, seven times. One, 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 but there's three of them. You see that. It's the Trinity. And what is the Trinity? It's one God in three persons. So is there three? No, one God in three persons. And there's Unity. Think about the church. How many members in the church? Many members. How many bodies are there of Christ? How many? Say it. There's one, y'all. See the reflection of the two? I want to suggest that he's, he's telling us that the Trinity is the model of a worthy walk. This is not a perfect analogy. I realize this. I say it on the front of you because there's no sin in the Trinity. But I just think it's helpful maybe to kind of get us on the right track when it comes to walking in a manner worthy. I want to suggest Paul is saying we have been called to treat each other like the members of the Trinity treat each other. Have you ever thought about that? Think about why does he say, listen, this worthy walk, you need to walk with humility, with gentleness and kindness and tolerance and patience. Why does he tell us that we need to do that? What does it imply about us? We're proud. We're mean. We hurt each other. We're not patient. You punch me, I'll punch you three times. You know, it's, that's, it's what he's telling about us. Hmm. It's not the way the Trinity interacts with each other. You know that phrase, what would Jesus do? Another way to think about this, and again, I realize there's no sin in the Trinity, but it's this. Rather, you know, rather than ask the question, what would Jesus do? One, one question you might ask is this. How would Jesus treat the Holy Spirit? Um, how, how would the Holy Spirit interact with the Father, treat the Father? You see, that, that's how we're to treat each other. That's the, tr- that's the truth. Again, let me ask you this. If that's true, then why don't we? Why is it not even close? I think it has something to do with the scale over here. And this principle that Paul gives us. How in the world do we live lives that are worthy? I'm talking commensurate with our calling. I'm going to remind you of something I've said before, and I'm probably going to say it again before we get through Ephesians because Paul speaks so much of this truth. But One of the most significant turning points in my Christian life was when someone said to me, literally, something that I knew was true. It's like I knew it was true. I knew it was true, but I was young, I was 18 or 19 years old, and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have the wisdom to, to say it or believe it. But I remember they looked at me and they said, Lloyd. You can't live the Christian life. It's impossible. And I remember I went, because I knew it, but I was trying. It's impossible. It's like the weight of the knight's armor just shed off my body because I had been trying and I knew I couldn't. Again, we're going to talk about this because it's implied here. But, but he gets very specific about this truth as he goes through Ephesians. But I want you to note, first of all, verse 3. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. In the, who brings about the unity that is ours? Who, who brings it about? I want you to say it. Who? Say it out loud. The Spirit. See the Holy Spirit brings that about. Now, don't turn in your Bibles, but just listen with me for a moment. You understand, Paul has already said this in chapter 1, verse 13. We are sealed. We're we're secured for our future by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 18. Our access to the Father, he says, is through the... Spirit, chapter 2, verse 22, it's the work of the Spirit that builds the unity and the body of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 5, the mystery of redemption. We would never know what this book means, what it means to us apart from, he says, the mysteries revealed by who? By the Spirit, chapter 3, verse 16. It's the Spirit, you see, that empowers us, that gives us the power to even know the knowledge of God's Love, chapter 4, verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. Chapter 6, verse 18, he says, pray in the Spirit. The Spirit. It's the Spirit. It's by the Spirit, you see, over and over, he says. Back to the scale. The weight on this side, men and women, if I can say this, understand. This is the weight of God. We we get God in Christ. So you tell me what can go on this side that can raise the other arm? What what can go on this side that can raise the other arm? Only God. You see what I'm saying? And who is the Spirit? Who is the Spirit? It's God. So I'm not, you know, saying, you know, that these, you know, acts of obedience... Paul's going to say these things you do. I'm saying, you know, these things do matter. They they, they truly do. But here's what I want to suggest that he's implying... and we will get very specific about later... That when we, you know, I go to church, I'm kind to people, I I, I don't retaliate when I'm harmed, I, I, I try and do the right thing, I try to stay away from that. That when we do those things, only when done, you see, in the power of the Spirit, does the arm raise. You can't raise that arm, I don't care how hard you try. But resting in the spirit, I'm going to love my enemy. I can't, but I'm going to trust the spirit to love him through me. Mm. I'm going to do the right. It's the right thing to do the right thing, isn't it? Listen, if you're doing the right thing just because you're trying to raise the arm or you think it's the right. No, you do the right thing in the fullness, Paul says, of the spirit. Oh, then you see, you live a life that is commensurate to our calling. Anything less than spirit-filled, spirit-dependent, spirit-reliant living, you see, does not move the arm. And by the way, when you're walking in the spirit, it's not burdensome. Why? Because he's the Holy Spirit. He delights to do the Father's will to live in line, commensurate with all God is. You see, it's not effort, it's the Spirit through us. I believe, I, you know, by faith, I'm filled with the Spirit right now. Why would I say that? I'm just only in this way. I, 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 I'm trusting that as I'm speaking to you, that the Holy Spirit is teaching and He's at work opening your eyes and helping you understand. Anything less than that, I've got nothing to say. So I'm filled with the Spirit because I'm dependent upon the Spirit. So what? So, let me ask you this. When I mentioned how how, how we live in unity and kindness and gentleness and we are patient with others, you know, someone comes to your mind in your life. I don't like, you know. They've hurt me. I'm going to get you. We all have it in life. To be filled with the Spirit, I want to suggest is, before you engage... In fact, as you relate, that you can See, this is, this is about the spirit-filled life is not unconscious. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. No, it's, it's a very conscious decision of faith to say, I can't do it. Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you to grant me a love that's beyond me. For this person, I, I, I cannot. I am coming. Holy Spirit, I'm just going to, tr, I'm trusting Spirit that your patience will be mine in this moment. See, the feeling of the Spirit happens over and over and over and over. It, it's, it's the way of life. I want to encourage you, coming days, pause. Apart from you, Holy Spirit, I can't, but by your power, you can, through me, and take the step of faith. It doesn't get any better than that, I'm telling you. That is the spiritual life. It's the life that we were meant to live.